guys, Jack here. Welcome back to the Just Hands Poker Podcast, where we're still discussing poker strategy and not just crypto trading strategy. Uh, you can get enough of that pretty much everywhere else these days. Uh, a reminder, the Just Hands Poker Podcast is brought to you by SoftwareY. SoftwareY is poker coaching unlike any other. Learn from high-stakes pros Matt Berkey, Christian Soto, Jordan Young, and now Zach and myself at the only poker training camp that teaches live poker strategy. The next camp is February 18th through 20th, and the following camp is March 19th through the 21st, and those are both in Las Vegas. Uh, Software Y turns conventional poker wisdom on its head by providing students with a unique poker philosophy, by utilizing real-time analytics, emphasizing psychology and personal interaction, and recording and reviewing students' play using RFID technology. The Software Y Advanced Poker Training Academy delivers a framework to think and act differently. Software Y is poker evolved. To learn more, Head to SoftwareYAcademy.com or use the link in the show notes. All right, guys. Thanks again for listening and enjoy this week's episode. Hey, Zach. Hey, Jack. How are you doing today? Good. I uh, slept 13 hours last night, so I'm the most well-rested I've been in weeks. Wow. Uh, yeah. Back in Jordan for a, a little last hurrah of sorts? Second to last hurrah. I, uh, I got one week here. And then about a month in some other places, and then one more week, and then uh, this place will no longer be my uh, my base. Well, yeah. So poker, that thing we talk about. It's, uh, yeah, and that thing that I'll get to play more of once I'm based in the states again. I can't yeah. wait. I never got into that, uh, you know, crazy high stakes diplomat game here. It's never too late, but it lo- looking more unlikely now. And I was looking at uh, some of our top countries that, that listen to us, and Jordan was on the list. So I was thinking maybe you would have a lead there. We could do a little shout-out. I guess we can do it anyway. If you are in <laughs> Jordan, perhaps uh, as a diplomat, an emissary, something of that nature, maybe military, <laughs> give our man, Zach Resnick, a shout. Get him into your poker game. He's really not that good. He's he's basically just a big fish, super you know lagged hard. Like it's not very PC. Anyway, yeah, give give my man a call. Disclosure: I I, I might I might be winning in your game, but I will a hundred percent be good action. Anyone can attest to that. Okay. This game comes from a game not in Jordan, but in Denver. This is a, a home game in Denver. One three. Our listener writes in, the game was winding down, and the villain and myself were the only two people left and agreed to play heads up. Villain is a younger reg who has a good basic understanding of the game, but definitely has leaks that can be exploited. We've been playing heads up for a bit at this point, and here's some of my observations. One, he's probably a little tighter pre-flop than would be optimal, but not egregiously so. Two, his c-bets are fairly transparent. He will sometimes c-bet with air, but very rarely double barrels. None shown down yet, though the sample size isn't quite big enough for me to say he never does it. A check on the flop return after being the preflop aggressor is almost always weak. He has some check raises, but not when he was the preflop aggressor. He has check called with ace and king high on the flop multiple times, but not necessarily with a draw. C is he always yeah. C-bets top pair and will C-bet mid pairs depending on the kicker and or if it's a scary board. So I just we I wanted to jump in and just say this is a really good hand that you picked, Jack, because I think this is a very typical reg type in many games, especially in, uh, in the East Coast of the United States. Just someone who's probably winning 
in like most one, two home game slash casino game lineups, but it's very, very transparent. And if you kind of understand that they're going to play this way and that they likely won't adjust, even if they know they're being exploited, you'll be able to not just print against them, but just basically have no real decisions, which can make your life very easy if you're putting in a long session. Yeah, I agree. Also, this definitely sounds like a type of player who, uh, you know, they feel like they're the best player at the table, and you know, if if the game gets short and you want to play heads up with them, they're probably down, and they don't necessarily know how to adjust to that setting, but they just kind of feel like play a little looser and then kind of just go with their basic strategy, which is, you know, sort of like straightforward, aggressive, uh, but in a straightforward way. Yeah. So, three, he overvalues almost any top pair. Uh, he's called down check races to multiple girls with under pairs on a variety of board textures. Or, sorry, he overvalues almost any pair. I don't know if that's what I said. But in my mind, I said top pair. And four, his river aggression always seems to be value, though it can be thin. Okay, great. And so this, I'll just say, like, it sounds like this... This guy seems to be playing on sort of like a set of rules where certain board types are going to be really bad for those rules. And other types will be fairly good for those rules. Like he's going to do well on like, you know, advantage boards as the preflop aggressor. And he's going to do a lot less well on disadvantage boards and neutral boards. We haven't talked that much about his defense, uh, but it sounds like he might overvalue a pair on a draw heavy board. Uh, so stacks are deep. Hero has a little under 600, and he has around 1,400 after recently winning a big pot on a cooler where Hero had 9-7 and he had king-king on king nine three seven seven. Can't be certain whether this will affect his play or not. Okay. Any last words before we get into the hand? No, let's hear it, bud. Great. Hero is on the button with Queen of Diamonds, Ten of Clubs, and makes his standard raise to $9. And that was the standardizing for both of them. Uh, He takes a normal amount of time and three bets to $30, which is also the standardizing. Queen Ten Offsuit is easily within my three-bet calling range when playing heads up, so everything is standard so far. I agree. Well, I guess let's talk very quickly about, like, what we expect a player like this to three-bet. I think this is, like, this three-bet's probably pulled a little bit too much. Like, the, the top of the pull, I bet it is too wide. Or sorry, too too narrow. And I also would guess that he's 3-betting with hands that you would 3-bet in, like, a 9-handed setting, more so than I would probably choose to 3-bet heads up. Like, I wouldn't 3-bet, like, ace-deuce suited as a bluff in this game. If I was 3-betting, it would be, you know, as part of, like, a merge value range probably wouldn't do that out of position. So I don't, I don't think he's choosing hands like, you know, 8-4 suited, 7-4 uh, suited as his light three bets. That's just my guess. Yeah, I would say I, I agree with all that. He's definitely not adjusting for it not being nine-handed, uh, or at least not adjusting enough. And I would say we can't take, you know, all bluffs out from a player like this. There's, you know, some types that, as described, will really have no bluffs. But I think we should definitely give him way less bluffs than might be appropriate. And also I think what his value range should be uh, is going to be too small, perhaps even a little bit too small in a nine-handed setting. 
Yeah, that's that's definitely possible. And also, when I say he's not, I agree that he's not bluffing enough. But part of why he's not bluffing enough is that I, I would guess he might do this with like seven eight suited, and think of it as a bluff. Where I would be three bidding seven eight suited, and still kind of think of it as the top of the pole, just because it's such a powerful hand. But yeah, I don't think he's thinking that way. So, yeah. Anyway. Flop comes, seven of hearts, nine of diamonds, ten of spades, uh, which I would say, in, in no matter how he's three-betting, this is a much better flop for our range. We have $55 in the pot after rake, and villain checks. Hero writes, I'm not very concerned about getting check-raised by this villain, and I think I can get value from a decent amount of overcards that missed. Also, maybe 8-7 suited or jack-9 suited, and possibly some underpairs that strangely chose a three-bet. For sizing, I've typically been using about two-thirds pot on a board like this, and he has called that sizing previously with the aforementioned range. So I decided to bet 40. Yeah, this is such a, such a luxury when you know you're not going to get check-raised almost ever. We can also probably rule out overpairs here based on our villain description. Maybe not entirely, yep. but like I feel pretty comfortable he doesn't have overpairs. I think this player type would just continue with the bet. Yeah. So, I mean, against against this player type, I think, explodably, I, I like the sizing. What about you, Jack? Yeah, I like the sizing. I mean, we don't have a hand where we want to bet so small that, like, you know, we allow his hands, like, ace-jack with a backdoor to continue profitably. That hand probably will continue for 40, but at least we're charging it a kind of rough price. So, yeah, I like, I like the size. Hero does, or sorry, villain does call. And the turn is not too shabby. It's our old pal, the Ten of Diamonds, bringing a backdoor flush draw. So now the board is Seven of Hearts, Nine of Diamonds, Ten of Spades, Ten of Diamonds. Villain checks, and now I very much think we have an interesting decision. Hands like Eight Seven Suited and Jack Nine will certainly call a bet, but I think his range is going to be much more weighted towards overcards will probably fold to a second barrel. I also thought that this is a card I wouldn't want to continue bluffing on very much, though in retrospect, I think I was too concerned with balance. Whereas from an exploit standard, I should certainly continue bluffing on this turn. Uh, let's stop and discuss that. What are your thoughts on on that? I think exploitably, you don't want to be bluffing this turn. I also think that this is a, a card, just generally speaking, from like a balance perspective, that's going to be better for your opponent's range than, than yours, based on the action getting to this point. I don't know if this is a card that um, I wouldn't want to continue barreling. I know in the world where like we only ever bet top pair as like a value hand, you know, top pair better, it's like not necessarily good for a value range, but the hands that our, our opponent doesn't have very many tents, I would guess. He would have bet them. And so the hands that we're trying to get to fold were already, like, overcards and possibly overpairs, so now overpairs have a lot more to fear. You know, in, in, in balance world, our opponent checks a lot of overpairs and may, might call some of them. So I think in balance world, we actually do stand to continue bluffing on this turn card a good amount. I also think if we had a 9, we would pretty happily continue betting on this card. And so if our opponent has, like, 7-8... 
I think they'll probably call, but they're not going to necessarily be like super thrilled about this card and call Riverbed for sure. So I, don't, I wouldn't say that this is like a terrible bluff card. So let's talk about... Yeah, so to continue bluffing or or not here, not as important, since we actually we have, I think, essentially a nut at hand. So really the question is, bet for value and protection now, or check and... You know, what are we hoping to accomplish when we check here, Zach? I think if we were to check here, we'd be hoping to get two streets of value from a wider range. And I think the the real question here is, should we kind of get maximum value from a bit of a stronger range that I, I think we all agree is going to be a minority of like the hands that get to this turn card? Or is it going to be a higher EV play to check back and get you know some value from maybe a majority or at least more hands in that range? And I think generally speaking, uh, without any more information, it's usually going to be more profitable in live poker, just kind of an exploit against the fields at like the one, two and two, five level to go from maximum, go for maximum value against a stronger range than to kind of get more value from a wider range. And in this case specifically, I think it's no exception like the, our hero analyzed before. I think the villain's going to have a lot, a lot of overcard hands here. And I think we want to you know, that, that we've been a little bit smaller on the flop, we want to just go big on the turn and river. Yeah, that's my feeling, too. I'm trying to think of, like, what what is villain's incentive, like... You know, obviously... So let's talk about what are actual overcard hands. Um, we have ace-king, ace-queen, king-queen, ace-jack. Ace-jack and king-queen, we have... Some something to protect against. Ace Queen, Ace King, those hands are drawing dead other than if they are, are diamonds, you know, which would be great. You know, obviously Queen Jack, we have a fair amount to protect against. And I don't know that like any of those hands are one card away from us being able to like get in a big river check raise. Or sorry, not check raise but raise you know like if the river is a king our opponent bets and we put in a big raise i'm not sure that raise is getting called that often what do you think yeah definitely not getting called that often for sure and those overcard hands like if if the river breaks and they check to us again and we bet and this is this guy doesn't seem like the type to like turn that hand into a bluff based on description and just like what I would guess, like if this person has ace high, they're just going to want to realize. I don't really see them calling a bet on the river. You know, I think you have some other hands that would maybe want to protect on the on the flop, check back the turn, and, you know, bet for that on the river. Maybe they, maybe I probably wouldn't be doing that very much, but I think Villain would expect you to be doing that at some frequency. And I don't think that, you know, he has a lot of incentive to just call it out. If I'm wrong about that, and you can get that street of value from, like, all the ace highs, there's more of a case for checking. But I think that the other thing is, like, there are some bad cards for you. Like, there are some cards that kill your action. An eight, a jack. An eight and a jack, I guess, are the only ones that kill your action. But those will come at some frequency, and so you do risk a little bit. Uh, A six also is not great. So personally, since you're, I'm not expecting to be able to get that much additional value from the river, 
I would just bet now, get some protection, get value from hands like 7-8, Jack-9, like you mentioned. Some of those hands might be a diamond draw now, and they might check your check-raise you, which would be really great. Yeah, I think I think you have more to gain from betting again here than checking and trying to somehow create more value out of the situation on the river. That's just my feeling. Nothing more for me to add. Let's, uh, let's hear what happens. Okay. So our, our hero rights, I did opt the check through and was praying for an ace or king on the river. The river is indeed the ace of diamonds. So now the board is seven of hearts, nine of diamonds, ten of spades, ten of diamonds, ace of diamonds. And I'm hoping I ranged him correctly. Good thing to hope for. Yeah. So villain decides to leave for $80, and now I'm almost certain he has ace-jack through ace-king. As a bonus, by holding the queen of diamonds, I block king of diamonds, queen of diamonds, and queen of diamonds, jack of diamonds. And the ace of the diamonds on the board means they can't have any of the ace-jack of diamonds. So he only has one possible flush combo with king of diamonds, jack of diamonds. And that is like a really important observation, because I think if you have... If you had queen 10, uh, you know, with no diamond, it would be a, a little bit more precarious to try and value raise here. I think it still might be worthwhile. So let's recap stacks. So 135 in the pot, villain leads for 80. And so we have, we've put in 70 so far out of about 600, so 530. So we have 530 behind, and so... For reference, if we shoved, it would be for an additional $450. Yeah, I think that's a little little ambitious. I also think against this sizing, I like heroes ranging that this is just, you know, a pair of aces a lot of the time. I think against this player type, who, you know, probably makes most of his money doing more straightforward betting for value, you're going to see a larger sizing most of the time from flushes. So even if we had Queen 10 without the Queen of Diamonds, I would, I would go for a value raise. And now we're just, I, when, I'm, when I'm constructing my raise size here, I'm thinking, okay, what is a raise size that I think is going to, you know, the biggest I can get away with getting called by those hands? And I think something around 200 feels right. And once you go kind of above that, then, you know, once you get above like maybe 250 or so, you might as well shove, where I think closer to the min raise is going to get called, you know, the vast majority of the time by the ASX. Yeah. I feel that way too. I think 200 is a very good sizing here. I'm just not expecting ASX to call that much more. So, you were right. I considered overbet jamming, which would have been for about one and a half times the pot. But there was a hand in my mind from earlier where he tank folded top pair, ace nine on an ace high board with a possible flush when I overbet the river. Didn't want to let him off the hook, and given the range I was targeting, I decided to raise on the smaller side to 210, hoping for an I know I'm beat, but I have to call a reaction. I think that's a, a great sizing. On the contrary, villain snap shoves for my remaining $300. WTF. Oh. You're just... This, yeah, against this player type, you're, we, we should have talked about that before. I mean, you're just not good here. You're getting a great price, but I just, I just don't think you're ever good here. Because you, you just have to think about it. You had a very good hand, but 
But now you have a bluff catcher. Villain is never snap shoving with a hand worse than this, right? Yeah, this is like a suicide snap shove if you have ace king. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, the only hand would be like a very weirdly played jack ten or ten nine, which I think we could discount heavily based on the preflop action, as well as by the flop and turn. So I think the other, and then blocker wise, so the the amount of ten x the villain gets to the river with is already probably something around a combo if not less than a combo so we have a bluff catcher this is live poker against a straightforward opponent we have the snap shove which i think weights it more towards value barring any you know previous reads on snap shoving or snap action so i think we got a an easy fold here yeah my hunch is that we should fold here but i'll just play devil's advocate for fun we checked back the turn, you know, on a, you know, when the diamond draw came in. So I think it's probably unlikely that we have diamonds here in our opponent's mind. It's almost honestly probably somewhat unlikely that we have anything very strong. I think in our opponent's mind, our raise range is probably air or boats. Like, I don't think our opponent would guess that we would check back a hand like queen 10 on the turn. Because I think our opponent would just like basically always bet that here for protection, which I don't think is wrong. <laughs> but so I do think we're like repping kind of narrow, and I think like our opponent could know that. The question is, what of his leading range would he then decide to three bet bluff? You know, the other thing is like I do think that our opponent could have some like bluffs here. If he got to the river with like combos that could bluff, I just don't know how likely that is. Yeah, the ace the ace makes like the few combos that could bluff go away. Like I just there's so many things that have to happen here that are unlikely for this player to be snap shoving snap three bet shoving the river as a bluff, you know, let alone him having the combos like to do so and pulling the trigger in the moment. Yeah, I think like the one hand that makes sense to me is a possible bluff here would be king-queen. Like, I think queen-jack probably bets the flop. I think king-jack probably bets the flop. That's double-gutted. I think king-queen is a hand that, you know, two of us kind of shot. Our opponent may prefer to play it as a check call and then get to this point and be like, all right, the ace is good for my range. My opponent checked back. Like, I should probably go ahead and leave this because I don't think I can check and win. And then when we raise, our opponent says, like, you know, what the fuck is this? I'm just going to shove. Now that that being said, I think more likely you are up against King Jack of Diamonds or Aces. I think the most likely hand for you to see here is Aces. I think Aces is a hand that like, more so than Kings or Queens, an opponent like this could get comfortable deciding that like, you know, on a board that he may or may not realize is, like, very bad for his range. Deciding to turn that hand into a, you know, a bluff catcher, like a delayed value hand, because it doesn't hear overcards. So I wouldn't be shocked to see aces. Yeah, I'll, let me read what our, our hero wrote. He writes, this is the last thing I expect to happen. As I said, I think there's only one flush combo we could possibly have, and I don't think he would snap jam with it given the paired board. Uh, I would at least expect him to think for a second if he jammed at all. 
there are absolutely no bluffs in his range here. I think there's a less than one percent chance he's shoving worse value. So I decided to hold, or sorry, I decided to fold. Figure must have can check a diamond or really played pocket aces or flop set. Uh, I think also like we did say he could have seven eight suited, and there is a combo of seven eight of diamonds. That's another possible hand. So also like six seven of diamonds seems like not an impossibility to me. Well, let's talk about the. So we were saying this player has no bluff combos. While I do think it's still very unlikely, we can give this player credit for, I think, occasionally, maybe not like 6, 7, 7, 8 of diamonds, but turning like 7 or 8x into a bluff. But again, it's unlikely they played it this way post-flop, and unlikely they uh, played those hands pre-flop. So we're talking about some something around a combo of those hands. Yeah, my my hunch is that it would be unlikely for this villain to turn a pair into a bluff on the river. Um, oh, oh, especially a bluff twice. So bluffing eighty as a bluff and then snap shoving. Yeah, right. yeah I think the lead it's to eighty. It's too, the only yeah. like, all bluffs for that lead would be unpaired hands, uh, which I think is actually the right strategy. Like I think turning seven eight into a check raise bluff is like a play that I would probably be doing like a lot here, but. Yeah, but we also think, what is the actual villain doing? I'm Again, like yeah. you, I'm playing kind of devil's advocate, just trying to find the, like, half combos that could potentially want to do this without for value. But I, I think I think we're kind of just going around in circles. I think this is a, you know, this, a yeah, clear this, fold. What, this is a fold. This yeah. is, like, this is aces. This is king of diamonds, jack of diamonds, possibly. This is seven, eight of diamonds. This is six, seven of diamonds. And if this is king queen offsuit a lot, then like props to our opponent, and we're blocking that hand anyway. So, yeah, I, I think the fold was was definitely right. Hero rights in summary. I think preflop is standard, and I like the flop bet. Uh, I'm uncertain about my turn check, and I'm wondering whether I should just flat his river bet. Seems really nitty, and certainly the results are tainting me a bit. But I'm debating whether I can truly get value from Malonis in this spot. The previous spots where he called down with pairs were always to single bets on the river, not a bet in a raise, mainly because he, mainly because river raises just don't come up all that often. Obviously, getting three bet jammed on is a very unlikely outcome, but if I can't get value from worse, then it would seem I am reverse free rolling myself the times he happens to have another hand. So, I think this uncertainty reflects less on the river decision in mind and more on the turn decision. I think once you get to the river and you're ranging him the way you were on the flop, and he bets the ace, like, I would just go for it, and I think you can just kind of happily fold when he does pre-bet jam, because I do think it's a fairly unlikely outcome, and you're not losing a ton, even if he, you know, always folds an ace and three bets, like, flushes and aces, or, you know, pocket aces, that is. But if you have that uncertainty about the ability to get in two bets versus an ace on the river, then I think that the turn check was pretty flawed. Uh, I think you, you need to have a good amount of certainty about that sort of best-case river scenario in order to justify uh, allowing your opponent to realize their equity on the turn and you know bypass the chance to get additional value from a hand like 7, 8, 8, 9, or even... You know, as we've determined, might be a possibility ace-ace. So yeah, I think your uncertainty here just makes me think that the turn should definitely be a bet. Any final comments? 
No. I think uh, it sounds like our, our listener was somewhat aware of, uh, you know, the the mistakes made in this hand just by the language used. And I hope I hope this conversation yielded some additional insight. Yeah, for what it's worth, I think generally you're you're thinking about. Uh, I think this this uh, hand submission says a lot of good things. Like, I think you gave us a really really useful description of the opponent, and I think you're arranging your opponent well. I think you just had a tricky turn spot where you you felt like you may not be able to get that much value, and you got kind of hungry for value, which I think is a good instinct to have. And you made a decision that maybe was wrong, but your heart was in the right place, and then you made a good fold on the river. So I think uh, very, very well played, one possible mistake, but overall very well played, very well thought out. Uh, and please write us in again. Somewhat sort of results here. Hero writes, for what it's worth, the villain later told me that he had ace-ace, though I'm not sure how much stock we can put into that. Anyway, thanks for reading my long description, if you made it this hard. And look forward to hearing from you guys. Yeah, I don't know how much stock you can put into that. I mean, I think definitely we all thought Ace-Ace was the most likely hand. That being said, if you asked me, and I was uh, and I had turned like 7-8 of hearts into a bluff here, I would have also told you that I had Aces. So, take that for what, what it's worth. And thank you so much for writing in. And yeah, we'll talk to you.